Well, good morning to you. As Clay mentioned, as you heard a few moments ago, this is officially my last Sunday um, preaching a sermon to you as a pastor at Christ the King. And it has been a really wonderful thing to be on staff here at Christ the King and be part of the, the community. And um, something that I, I, you know, for my final sermon as I was thinking about this and I've been reflecting on our time apart as well as our time together, um, you know, before this all happened, is uh, something about the idea of friendship. Like the, the idea of what it means to be a friend and this real, this profound reality that God desires to be our friend, which sounds like a platitude in some ways, but it's, it's actually not. It's Jesus' words for us to think about our relationship with him as friend. Um, Eugene Peterson wrote this quote. He said, we're never more alive than when we're dealing with God. And there's a sense in which we aren't alive at all in the uniquely human sense of being alive until we're dealing with God. So if I were going to ask you that question, are you dealing with God? Like how, what does it mean for you if you were to describe what it means to engage with God? How are you engaging with him? And Jesus here in the gospel of John chapter 15 verses 10 to 17 gives us some really powerful, accessible insight into crystallizing our understanding of what it means to have a relationship with him, with his father. So if you would, you can follow along with me. I'll read from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, verses 10 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we do give you thanks for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for communicating to us how clearly uh, you desire a relationship with us and pray that this word would shape our hearts as we seek to follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so thinking about what a friend is, uh, you know, I was reading an article about friendship, and it was, a, it, was a, it was not an article, it was in like a Christian magazine, it was just this article that talked about questions you can ask yourself if you want to find out if you're a good friend. So here's some of the questions that they recommended you ask. Are you a good listener? Are you approachable? Are you trustworthy? Do you avoid gossiping about others? Are you selfless rather than selfish? Can you sensitively tell a friend what you really think? It's interesting, as you read throughout the scriptures, from, the, from Genesis all the way through, there's a, there's a clear uh, motivation on God's part to have a relationship with us, a very personal one, one that you would say is a friendship. And Christians throughout the centuries um, have written songs and written books and talked about how Christ is our friend. And not just that, but he, that he's actually a friend of sinners, a friend of people who are imperfect, which makes sense. If you think about those questions, Christ listens. He's approachable. 
He's trustworthy. He tells only the truth about us. He is the epitome of selflessness by giving everything that he has so that we can have this relationship. But unlike us and unlike many of our friends at times, Christ knows exactly what's true about us. He speaks the truth precisely to us. He tells us about what our world really is and what it's about. And he does all of it graciously, never with contempt and always with compassion. Christ is truly a friend of ours. It seems it's meant to be a really accessible idea that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. It's part of what I've actually loved about being a Christ the King is because that idea of you engaging with God on a personal level is central to our understanding of what it means to follow God at all, that he's a friend. So this morning, just I want to give you two ideas to think about if you're going to kind of categorize this sermon. One is, is that Christ is the friend of sinners. And the second is, is that Christ, that Christians are friends of sinners. So Christ is a friend of sinners. Christians are friends of sinners. And so first, Christ, the friend of sinners. Christ teaches us true friendship by being our friend. And that is loving us well. That's what a real friend does. They love us well. Uh, Proverbs 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Cicero in the first century BC, who was a Roman philosopher and academic, said this, friendship is the only thing in the world concerning the usefulness of which of all mankind are agreed. Like friends matter. Having a friend matters. Understanding what a friend is, is important. And Christ shows us that he is really our friend. If you read the Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Do you see that? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is actually telling us, if you want to know what I mean by loving other people, I want you to start by thinking about this. I have loved you. How have I loved you? How have I given myself to you? I've pursued you. We read here earlier, we read in the scriptures, Jesus chose us. He appoints us for fruit. He's actively at work. He doesn't consider us servants. He considers us friends. Jesus makes the advancement in their friendship. That's his approach. A real friend loves us like this. It's a really powerful image. And this kind of love that Jesus has for us is so powerful that it's life transforming. He calls us to love one another as he has loved us. He actually doesn't expect you to go out and figure out, how should I love this person who's angry at me? How should I love this person who I don't really understand? You know, what should I do about this? He actually says, start with this. I want you to love them like I've loved you. So the question goes back to, do you really understand how much Jesus loves you? That he's your friend. We read in the Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 16, that the experience of this love actually creates an echo. It reverberates. As we experience Christ's love, you can't help but begin to live as if that's true for other people. We begin to love others as God has loved us. And that does for others exactly what it does for us, which is brings life. You know, we've been reading in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, people just want to get near Jesus to touch him. Because if they touch him, maybe they'll be healed. Do you understand, when we love others as God has loved us, they are essentially staring into the face of God's love for them. Christ is our friend. He gives us this paradigm, this understanding of how love works. Love others as I have loved you. And as you do, it's going to create this effect. And then in the Gospel of John, verse 16, Jesus goes on and says that 
as you love others, here's what's going to happen. You're going to bear fruit. You're actually going to learn to be a more Christ-like, loving kind of person by experiencing my love for you. If you're struggling with that, start back here. Receive my love and you will be fruitful. What a beautiful picture to think about our love for other people being described by God himself as fruitful, bringing life, bringing new life, bringing restoration, bringing renewal. He chooses us, he acts in love to bring us into this relationship and then he appoints us to bear fruit. That's Jesus's grand plan for our lives. That's his plan for our church, that we would be a people who so understand his love for us that people would characterize us and say, you know, they're very loving. It's actually Jesus's desire. So two kind of ideas to take away from this. One is, is that you're, you are eternally significant. The God of heaven and earth, Jesus himself says, I want you to understand this. If you're going to boil down our relationship to something simple, here it is. You are my beloved and treasured friend. That's who you are. And then the God of the universe wants us to know that in whatever moment we're in, whatever experience we're, we're in, that he wants us to cling to him as a friend. To know that in continuing to go to him as our friend, we're going to find what? His love. His powerful and sustaining love. Christ is the friend of sinners. And then this second idea that Christians are the friends of sinners. You've heard this phrase probably, it takes one to know one, right? Well, as Christians, we kind of, we add to that statement. It takes one to know one, meaning we know what a sinner is like. And so we know what sinners look like. And we're sinners who are loved by God. And God offers this same kind of love towards others. Jesus approaches us with a life-transforming kind of love, even for people who are sinners. Now, to be a sinner, it it simply means to be out of sync with who Jesus is. Anything that's contrary to, to who God is, because all things out of sync with who God is and that are contrary to his will always bring brokenness and cracks and destruction and death ultimately. And yet, Jesus comes to us with love. Now, I'm a pastor, right? And we just had Father's Day. And my wife, Jamie, and my daughter, Avery, and my son, William, and my other son, Walker, they, they honored me, and I really appreciated that. And I, I want to tell you that I love them more than anyone else on the planet. I hope that that's not a surprise to you, that, that maybe you thought you were more important to me than, than they are. But I really cherish them. I really, really love them with all of who I am. And yet, I don't love them enough to be patient all the time. I don't love them enough to be gracious all the time. I don't love them enough to always take a second back when they say something I disagree with and go, hmm, how can I love you in this moment of a disagreement? Because there's some part of me that is still really selfish, even for my wife and my daughter and my sons. I choose my own little agenda over them, even for brief moments. Hopefully I repent. That's what the gospel enables us to do. But even I am in need of God's grace because I'm that selfish, I cherish my family and yet I struggle to even love them like I know God's calling me to love them because he's shown me that kind of love. You know, Jesus' love, it's the kind of love that is gracious to the ungracious. It is merciful to the unmerciful. It is friendly to the unfriendly. It is kind to the unkind. Jesus loves his enemies. It almost feels like it almost feels like too powerful of a grace or maybe a grace that downplays sin. You know, anytime my heart begins to play that game, what I remember is, is that it costs the very death of Jesus himself for me to be able to experience that. It's not a light matter at all. 
Sin requires God to step in and make things new through the death of his son. And he does that so that people like me, a sinner, can know that he loves me. And so that I can tell other people, because I know him when I see him, that they're beloved of God too, even if they're a sinner. You know, we're able to be friends with people who are different than us because God has been so gracious to us. In, In 15 to 17, Jesus talks about how we are his people. That we are his friends, not his servants. See, a servant, um, it's a little different. The word servant gets used in a lot of different ways in the scriptures. You know, as we were talking earlier, the idea of being a servant is coming alongside what God is doing and serving with him. That, that's a good image. But the kind of servant image that Jesus has here is almost more slave-like. It's, it's the kind of image of someone who's beneath their master, beneath their owner, They're less significant. They don't have the dignity of the guests who are present. And Jesus says, that is not who you are. You are my friends. That's who you are. And let me show you what it looks like for you to be my friend. Jesus says in verse 16 that he's chosen us for his friendship and for fruit bearing. And it fleshes itself out like this. Number one, I'm going to bring fruit in your life. And number two, I'm going to invite you into the most significant relationship I have in all the universe, my relationship with my father. You're my friend and you have a relationship with him too. And that's our message to everyone who will hear it. Christians are able to love other people who are in the boat that we're in being sinners because our father loves us and he loves the world. Jesus tells us, he doesn't say a new command I suggest to you. He says, a new command I give to you, to love each other in John chapter 13. And then he repeats it in John chapter 15. This is my command, love each other. Right now, we're hearing lots of suggestions on the news and in the news feeds and everything we're reading about how to interpret the world we're looking at. Lots of suggestions. And, you know, we could go on and on about that. But the reality is, is that until we understand the depths of God's love for us, we don't even know how to begin to have that conversation because it's only this kind of love that can transform people. Love one another. It's a broad command. You want to know where God wants you to love other people? Anywhere you have human interactions. Those are the places God wants you to hack into figuring out how to love one another because when you do that, resurrection happens and renewal happens. And peace begins to happen. And enemies become friends like me. An enemy of God who's made a friend. It's a broad command. It's a comprehensive command to love one another. There's no, you know, it includes everything. And the good news, this, this encourages me because sometimes there are some people in my life that I find it really hard to love. Here's the good news. You ready? Jesus is never going to ask you to love someone more than he's already loved them. He's never going to ask you to forgive them any more than he's already forgiven them. Your forgiveness is very, very small compared to the kind of forgiveness that Jesus has offered them. So get over yourself. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Enter into a way that will lead to renewal in your relationships. A a way of friendship. A way of forgiveness. A way that Jesus tells us leads to being a friend. Now during this pandemic, that's probably the most difficult thing I've experienced is not being able to hug my friends or see their faces or have a conversation with them. You know what this is like wearing masks or we're having conversations and you're not sure if they're finished yet. And so you're like, are you done? Oh, okay, I can talk now. Oh, you can't hear me? Like it, it really messes up even conversation. But it's been hard not to see the face of our friends. And last week, you know, as, a pa- as the pastor of Families of Christ the King, which I still am at this moment, 
I had the um, honor last week of doing something I get to do with children, which is talk to them about their first communion. And so I had this Zoom call meeting with a young woman in our church, and she began to tell me about her relationship with Jesus. But before that, she shared all about her creative writing she's doing over Zoom classes where they're writing together. And she shared with me about how she's doing ballet over Zoom. And they're like, I I just was trying to even imagine what that's like. But she was so happy about it and so joyful that it brought a lot of joy to me in that moment. And that was like, that was one of the highlights of my week. And the reason is, is because what God teaches us as we learn to love one another is the gift of celebrating people. We're able to learn to celebrate people when we start with the fact that the Lord of heaven and earth has decided to love selflessly, to love through listening, to love through being gracious, to love through being merciful, to love by pursuing friendship. And not just for those that you think deserve it, but for all those that he comes to save. As we read in John chapter 3.16, we all know the first part of that verse. And the last part is that Jesus did not come into into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Do you know what his plan A is? Us figuring out how to love each other as friends. It's a really beautiful image. It's one of the things I cherish at Christ the King during my time here, being friends with Clay and Andres and Taylor and Willis and all the other staff and the children's ministry. Like, I can't communicate to you how much, uh, how mu- how much uh, a, uh, refreshment it gives me to be able to walk around our office and check in with people and see how they're doing because they're so delightful. Friends matter. And that's not just something that Brad figured out. It's something that Jesus created us for. I want to close with this. This is from Psalm 66. I think it's a good thing for us to think about as we're experiencing this kind of strange thing in worship where we're together, but we're not all together. And to remember that God calls us into something significant as we worship. Psalm 66, come and listen, all who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. That's our encouragement. Jesus, Jesus has made sure that there will be nothing that, it, that prevents the Father from, with, from pursuing us, that there will not be a withholding of his love toward us because we are his friends and he calls us into friendship with others because in so doing that, we bring about the kingdom of God. We bring about the presence of Christ in those places. So that's my prayer for you at Christ the King as I leave, is that you would rest in the fact that you are friends with Jesus and he calls us into befriending one another with that same kind of love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do give you thanks that you are our friend. This profound mystery that we belong to you, that you have pursued us, that you've appointed us to to even bear fruit in the lives that we love, in our families, in our community, in the other interactions we have, Lord, that your intention is to bring about your presence through our experiencing your love and then reflecting it to others. Would you enable us to do that this week for the sake of your kingdom and your people? In Christ's name we pray, amen.